This is episode 27 with John Moody on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Have you ever thought of starting a homestead on your journey towards ancestral health? How about composting or gardening? Well, Today is a special opportunity to help a community member whose passion is about dismantling the industrialization of people and food through the acquisition of abundant, sustainable, and regenerative homesteading skills. Enter John Moody of Stutter.com. John and I share a very similar mission in that we understand that there are skills and wisdom that need to be shared from the firsthand experience of elders within our community. And that today is an amazing opportunity to support a movement that helps build the groundwork for those to come. In today's episode, you'll learn why John says he doesn't think you should be able to deal with health and nutrition if you have not read this book. John and Jessica's 18-month transformation and simple weekly strategy that helped them both go from your typical standard Americans to what some might call the crunchy hippie type and a few of the educational videos John and the Stetter team have queued up for their Kickstarter campaign and much, much more. The Moody family farms and homesteads on 35 acres in Kentucky. John Moody discovered more than a decade ago that his diet was literally killing him with duodenal ulcers, seasonal allergies, and other many health problems. So the family began to transition to real local foods and local food distribution. The Moody family helped found the Whole Life Buying Club in 2006. A few years later, they purchased an old, run-down, cut-up farm in the hills of west-central Kentucky and learned that while you can buy a farm, the soil isn't always included. So they spent the last seven years learning how to grow soil, tend animals, regenerate ecosystems, and teaching others to do likewise. John, welcome, and thank you for joining us today on Ancestral Health Radio. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited that you're here. You're up to some very exciting work that I want to share with the audience. But just like most episodes, first, I think we should become familiar with who John is. And if you would just tell us kind of who you are and where you are today. I am the the least likely person you would ever think to find on a show like this. (laughs) And, And where you would find me, I'm in one of the least likely places you would have ever thought I would have ever ended up. Um, you know, so I grew up in Northeast Ohio, um, grew up on the lower West side of a city called Youngstown. So grew up just like on a street of little cookie cutter, middle-class homes on the lower West side, um, grew up eating fruity pebbles and Cheerios and playing video games and, um, only going outside when I was absolutely forced to by my parents to abandon the Nintendo or the TV. Um, Sounds very familiar. Yeah, you know, just grew up on a total standard American diet. Um, You you know, just, I I was just so your prototypical child of the kind of 80s into the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, 
you know, I grew up, I had dental decay, I had seasonal allergies so bad. Benadryl offered me free stock options because of my patronage. Um, <laughs> so just like, you know, but, but I thought it was healthy because, you know, that's how all the other kids in my neighborhood were. That was normal. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so um, I, I lived in kind of, you know, once you escape that world and that mindset, you realize just how insane it is and it was. Um, but, but when you grow up in it and you're just kind of there, you know, that's just what it is. It's like being in the fishbowl, you know, the, you're with all the other fish in the fishbowl. You don't realize there's a much bigger world and reality out there to engage with. Um, so, so, you know, like all my family, all my friends from high school and stuff, they're just like, when they see where I am now, I know some of them are just completely baffled, um, you know, how did I get from being a video game playing, <laughs> you know, pasty white, um, junk food eating kid to somebody who now has like a 35 acre beyond organic farming operation and does local food distribution and all this crazy stuff. Sounds like uh, you went from mediocre to one hell of an interesting guy. Well, hopefully. So, I mean, there's definitely not too much interesting about being lost in a video game playing cave all your life. Um, and, you know, right. what, what, what really moved me from one to the other, there was, there was some philosophical things in terms of authors who were influencing me during my master's work. Oh, okay. Um, so there's an author by the name of Francis Schaeffer who I really, really appreciate. Um, and in some of his works... You know, he, he just talks about the fact that people aren't made, you know, basically to live divorced from nature, like cut mm. off by concrete and steel from the soil below and the sun above. Um, and, and, and but, you know, I've noticed like philosophical things might move people a little bit. But what really, really moved me to where I am is when I was doing my master's work, I came came down with duodenal ulcers, oh, no. uh, which is basically, you know, having a huge raw sore spot in, in your first section of intestines. Um, and it's just incredibly painful. Just like I, I've had all sorts of painful things happen to me in my life. Um, I, I've broken enough bones that if you were to take all the x-rays, you could create a full skeleton. Um, that I recently had to have my front teeth ripped out and replaced and stuff. So like I, I'm no stranger to pain. Right. And man, that that still I think takes the cake of oh, um, just about everything I've had. And so it was through getting duodenal ulcers. I went to my doctor. The only thing the doctor has to offer me is a lifetime of pharmaceutical interventions. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just like you know, well, we're just going to put you on these medications. We don't really know what these medications do. And we don't know what the long-term drawbacks of these medications are. Um, but we really have no way to actually heal you. So we're just going to spend a whole lot of time and money, money trying to cover up your symptoms. And, and it, it was that that really was the click. Yeah. The, you know, like there, there has to be other options that they're that you know i'm a 23 24 year old um you know but the idea that as a 23 24 year old i'm looking at 50 plus years on a pharmaceutical treadmill 
was not something I was willing to accept. Right. So where exactly did you turn first? So I actually had a professor when I was in seminary who had mentioned to me that um, he and his family had had some health issues and they had dealt with them by rethinking um, food, mm-hmm. rethinking what qualified as food, rethinking how they prepared food, and rethinking where they got food from. Um, so, so it was a little conversation with him. Um, and at the time we had this conversation, I was single. And he, he looked at me and he said, oh, he goes, you're single? He goes, um, he goes once you find a girl... Um, he goes, you know, look me back up, give me a call. We could talk about it then. Cause he had no hope or faith that a single, you know, college master's guy was going to start like radically altering diet and food priorities and stuff, I guess. And so, so about a year or so later I, I had, um, my girl who is now my wife, Jessica, and, um, we gave him a call and he handed us off to his wife and we had a little conversation with her. Interesting. Um, where she recommended some first steps. And she also recommended a couple authors. Um, the author she recommended was a lady by the name of Sue Gregg. So we bought Sue Gregg's cookbooks. Um, and then in Sue Gregg's cookbooks, she references the work of Sally Fallon. Oh, okay. There we go. And we got, nutri- and we got um, Sally Fallon's cookbook, Nourishing Traditions. And then I got my hands on a copy of Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price. And I was just like, oh, man, like this is like, why was I not ever taught this? That was the eye opener or the aha moment for you, huh? Oh, yeah. Like that book, um, I, I don't know. I don't think you should be allowed to say you deal with health and nutrition if you have not read that book. <laughs> yeah, it's sitting right next to me. It's just like, you know, I'm not saying you have to agree with everything in the book or this, that, and the other, or that book provides all the answers. But, but just as, you know, just as like a cornerstone for understanding what industrializing food and people does mm-hmm. over generations, just to see in pictures the rapid decline we have unleashed on ourselves and our progeny right. through through these choices. It, it, it's just so stunning. Like even to this day, I can close my eyes and I remember pictures I saw over a decade ago because they just they just stick with you when when you see the the physical differences of a, of a nutrient dense traditional diet versus the displacing foods of modern commerce, as he called them. Can you kind of break down for the audience uh, just real quickly what maybe some of those obvious differences or traits might have been? Oh, you know, like facial roundness, um, dental arch formation, body proportion. Um, so there's a there's a story I remember reading at some point in my academic career where um, a- after the Americans had came to America and been here, you know, just they're getting into like their second and third generation, Americans would go back to Europe and, and the Europeans would comment that all of the Americans were a head taller than the Europeans, that, that the Americans were like giants um, because, you know, 
the people who came and settled America, they had all of this fertile, beautiful soil to work with. Mm, and okay. Europe at that time had had depleted and exhausted a lot of the fertility of their native soils through, through bad agricultural practices. Um, and, and, you know, so, so that's what West City Price's book captures, just this, you know, th these immense muscular skeletal differences um, that accompany and, and, and happen quite rapidly when, when you abandon proper dietary wisdom. Yeah, that happens very quickly. And, and when you look at some of these pictures, you, you can clearly see that some of these these people are just in immaculate shape. I mean, they look oh, like yeah. pro athletes, <laughs> these people, you know, so I'm, I mean, it's a clear, clear difference when you take a look at these pictures. And if it, this book um, is not on your shelf, guys, which I will definitely link in the show notes at ancestralhealthradio.com. Definitely pick it up. It's definitely one that, like John says, needs to belong in your library, even if it were used as reference material. John, so you, you find this book. Uh, what happens next? I mean, so, you know, like we were, um, we were as standard American as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we were shopping at Kroger and Walmart and um, Sam's Club. Going for the prices. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be mean, like, yeah, for prices and just for what we knew and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like basically Jessica and I, we started to every week, um, we would choose two areas of life to make changes. Oh, okay. I like that. Um, because like, like there's just no way. Um, you know, we know people who like they read nourishing traditions and they walk into their kitchen and they throw everything away. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, and and so like I, I knew that's just not a a good path forward. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure cold turkey works for some people. Um, but, you know, but, but I've always been a little bit more um thoughtful and I was just like well I was like you know we can't change everything at once we have all sorts of skills and things we don't know we lack infrastructure to do a lot of these things so let's look across the world of changes we can make and let's start making a couple changes a week and when we're good and have kind of got those down we just you know every week we work through a few things so one week we go from buying toxic, you know, heavily chemically scented cleaners and things mm -hmm. to making our own out of vinegar and baking soda and whatever. Um, and, and that's really um, how over the course of, you know, 18 months or so, we went from being, um, you know, kind of really standard Americans to what, you know, a lot of Americans would probably feel are like totally crunchy hippie type. Yeah, right. So, 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 but it, it was really just an intentional choosing low hanging fruit, choosing decisions that had a lot of um, value to free up resources to then make other changes. Over a course of 18 months, you go from standard American diet, the traditional Joe and Jane and transform your life. That's amazing. And do you remember the first couple of things that you changed? Was it the cleaning products around your house or did it start with your diet? Um, it, it was both. Um, you know, we'd, so the, I think the very first thing we did was start to like, 
um, cook with whole grains rather than, you know, heavily processed, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, I think that was the first one where we started making like blender batter muffins, <laughs> okay. uh, and, and other things, you know, like making our own pancakes and muffins and bread. Um, mm. uh, yeah, cause especially some of those, you know, like muffins in the store and other processed grain foods are really bad for your health. Oh yeah. And, and a lot of them, um, especially the healthy versions are incredibly expensive, just insane. Um, even, and, you know, they say they're healthy, they're not healthy, they're still crap, even though they're marketed as healthy. Um, and so we did some of those items first. Um, and we did, you know, we did some cleaning products and some other stuff that freed up some budgetary space to then afford to, okay, now we can buy some better meat. Um, now we can do this or that. Mm hmm. So I think at the time I had a good year of work. Uh, most of my life I've always been self-employed. So I've always worked for myself. And at the time I was running my own private tutoring business oh, okay. um, where I, I tutored kids and calculus and ACT and SAT and all this stuff. And, and that year went really well. So that helped as well because we were able to, um, you know, we went from shopping at Kroger and Walmart to shopping at um it used to be wild oats before they got bought out by whole foods mm. and we were shopping at wild oats and whole foods. Um, and so, and, and then like we did a CSA soon Perfect. after that and yep. we started drinking raw milk and, and in this process as we were making these changes, um, we, you know, we, my wife ended up pregnant with our first child. We started with a midwife and when the midwife was going to make, uh, we started with a midwife in a hospital setting. Let me be clear. Okay. Yeah, and, of course there must be a transition. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but interestingly though, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit recalcitrant in some areas. Okay. Um, so there's some areas where I will go full bore if forced and we're, you know, we're getting ready to have the baby, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think it's around six months they make women do a glucose test for preeclampsia, I believe it is. Okay. And the, way they and the way they make a pregnant woman do this test is they make them fast for 24 hours, which is completely not natural during pregnancy. And then they make them drink a bottle of pure chemical crap. Wow. And then they see how it affects their blood sugar and stuff. Oh, Fantastic. And if you have a really adverse reaction, then they do want to do all these additional interventions. And, 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 you know, like I just looked at our caregiver and I said, you will not do this to my wife and unborn child. Oh, man, I just want to give you a high five right now. And, and the caregiver looked at us and said that you can leave our practice. What? And I said, yeah. And, and I said, that's fine. I am totally OK with that because because, you know, part oh, of it, it would have like, been over. Yeah, well, I didn't make a scene because I just realized at that point, like, if you can't respect me here, what is it going to be like during labor and delivery? Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so, so we, we might as well put our cards on the table. Like, if, if there's not a sense of respect and understanding at this point, where, you know, like, like I'm, I'm not a fool. I have multiple degrees. Um, I'm a pretty well-read guy mm -hmm. and, and if i can't have a conversation with you uh, and you know if you're only answering to me well this is protocol and if you're not going to follow protocol you can't work with us like <laughs> like if you're just one of these i'm going to follow orders 
no matter hell or high water, well, then I'm going to find somebody who is actually going to provide care and support to my wife and child, not somebody who's merely going to run them through a a, a pharmaceutical company written medical gauntlet, um, you know, and and treat them like cattle on an assembly line. Wow. Okay. Is that like your second aha moment right there? Well, well, that was a pretty, um, you you know, that was a moment where just like that kind of, um, hardened my resolve. (laughs) Right. The callus got a little bit, a little bit thicker. Yeah. Well, and also I just began to realize that like, um, I, I don't want to have to be antagonistic towards, um, you know, the powers that be, No, of course but not. the powers that be are antagonistic towards me. <laughs> it's funny how that but, works. Yeah. You know, like th- they talk a lot about respect and dialogue and other things, but what they, you know, th- that respect ends as soon as you no longer, um, tow their party line, you know, right. I'll try oh. and tell this story quickly. Cause it, 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 it was the really big aha moment in terms of how we've, medically tried to raise our family and care for our family. So we had our baby at home under the care of a midwife. Um, labor went great. Delivery went great, except for my wife. She tore, um, and she had a pretty severe tear. Um, and so like, so we had to take her to the hospital, um, mm-hmm. to have that surgically repaired. And that's what hospitals are just great for, you know, like, like hospitals have a very crucial and important role, you know, like, if I get like ran over by a bison while hunting and you try and give me herbs and essential oils, I might well try and shoot you with my gun. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, so, so, you know, like there, there are important places for some of the technological advances right. we have and we should be appreciative of them. Um, so we take my wife in, um, to, to have her operated on after the birth of the baby um, and after her operation, I finally get Abby, our daughter, and me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're finally all reunited, but we're in the hospital, um, and we're kind of chilling together, and we're all just totally exhausted from you know twenty four hours of oh, labor. Sure. The jet. You know, she delivered Abby at like one in the morning. Oh wow. She was on an ambulance at two in the morning. I was home alone with Abby. And then some friends came over, but me and two friends cared for a newborn without the mom from like two until 10. Right. Um, none of us got sleep. You know, So we finally all get reunited around 10, 11 um, in the morning. And, you know, the, the hospital, they, they, I guess they have like a social worker on the floor for the, you know, moms and babies. Because, mm-hmm. um, of course, you need the government involved in everything in your life. And the social workers going along the charts that she sees, you know, mom, baby, mom, baby, mom, mom, baby, mom. And she, she and I guess she noticed like there's a mom with no baby. Mm, um, okay. So she begins to ask, well, where's the baby? Um, and she finds out we had the baby at home, and that you know, to her Dolores Umbridge ways, um, begins to raise all of the red flags. You know, like. How how dare you not follow the rules? Oh no! Don't tell me she she went that route. Oh yeah, and so um you know so she came in and she you know she began to poke at us like hey like why has the baby not been admitted and you know I point out you know well like the baby's healthy and it's (laughs) my wife who needed medical attention yes and hospitals are people for people who need medical attention so 
we had mom come to the hospital and baby's just chilling right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made the social worker very unhappy. Oh um, man, it th- triggered her so bad. I Oh, I know it. Yeah. And, and so um, this is another moment in my life that I will never forget. But, uh, you know, an hour or so later, um, and, and, you know, another per- and so they send another low-level lackey into our room saying, oh, you know, like, don't you want to admit the baby? Like, aren't you, you know, like, don't you want to do what's best for the baby? Uh, you know, all of this oh manipulative God. language. And, and I understand they don't even realize they're, they're tr- you know, maybe they do realize they're trying to be manipulative. Maybe I shouldn't be so gracious. Um, but, but eventually a couple hours later, um, so into our, into our hospital room walks the head of obstetrics or however you pronounce that, the head of nursing, the head social worker. Um, there was five of them and they walk into our room and they surround our bed. Um, so, so they're like a little firing squad. You know, this curved line, and my wife and I and baby are, are laying in a hospital bed together, just totally exhausted, you know, because now I haven't slept in close to, you know, 40-some hours, other than like an hour here, 30 minutes of sleep there. And mind you, this isn't, you know, only just physically exhausting, this is just mentally and spiritually exhausting, jeez. Yeah, but 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 this is this is like my favorite thing. Like, my, my wife will tell you, I like feed off of stuff like this. Okay. Uh, and so, so they did not know what was coming. So, you know, they surround our room and I sit up on the end of the bed and my wife gets a big smile on her face cause she knows what's coming for these people. Um, and, and, you know, they're all kind of standing there sheepishly because none of them wants to like, um, have any sort of actual bravery. Um, and you know, so Who's gonna I, talk I'm like first? smiling at that. Yeah. And so finally one of them steps forward from the firing line and they're like, Oh, they're like, we really, um, we want you to admit your baby to the hospital. Wow. Um, and I go, okay. I go, why do you want us to admit, you know, Abby to the hospital? <laughs> and, and, you, and, you know, they're just like, um, you know, she kind of like starts looking around like, oh, I didn't expect actually somebody asked me a question for an actual reason why you should obey us. And, and she begins to stumble over and she goes, oh, oh, she goes, um, um, we're, we're worried about the baby's body temperature. Um, and I go, oh, I go, you're worried about the baby's body temperature. I go, don't you know, we are concerned about the baby's body temperature as well. And don't you know, your own studies show that the absolute best way to regulate a newborn baby's body temperature is with skin-to-skin contact with mom and dad, not putting them under McDonald's French fry lights in some sort of sterile environment. <laughs> <sighs> And, and so she scatters like back to the line and, and they, you know, they begin looking at each other and another person steps forward. You know, they're like, well, well, you know, we think you should admit the baby because we're worried about the baby's weight gain, you know, or so, you know, the baby's weight gain or feeding or Let's something. Let's just go down a list, guys. Come on. What oh, else can we, and, what, what else can we say? Yeah. And so, you know, and so I look at them and I go, oh, I go, don't you know, that's also something we care deeply about. And all of your own studies show that the most important way to ensure proper weight gain in a newborn infant is by establishing breastfeeding in the first 12 to 24 hours of life. And since my wife was separated from the baby for eight hours, it would make no sense for you to admit her and further complicate that process. 
Oh man, I love this. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we went down like three or four things like this <laughs> where they began to realize they were just not dealing with um, both somebody who is ignorant of of how these things work and somebody who is merely going to do what they said right? because they happen to have an assortment of strange letters after their name, like a Scrabble board that's, board that's been overturned by an angry three-year-old. And, and so, you know, but, but even after all of that, they, they finally sent one person back in and they said, um, because Abby had not had a newborn baby exam um, by the midwife, because the midwife was too busy caring for my wife who was bleeding so badly mm-hmm. that it, unless Abby had a newborn exam, they would label her a biohazard and, and she would be for, they're basically trying Get to strong arm us out of here. Um, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what they did. They said, you know, she would be, she would be labeled a biohazard and she would have to leave the hospital immediately if she was, and, and they do like our midwife was exhausted because our midwife had been with us until like 10 or 11 that morning. So she'd gone 36 some hours without sleep. And they also knew that our family doctor did not have admitting privileges at that hospital. Oh yeah. So they're totally, they're, they're definitely playing you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh tra- yeah. So, and so it, it was that, it was that realization that these people have no gumption about playing dirty. Even if what they're playing for isn't matched by any sort of science, you, you know, even um, and, and that really, um, you, you know, that that understanding of just how dirty these people will play um, has stuck with me, you know, ever since. Well, that's I mean, this um, is on the day that your yeah that your yeah, daughter yeah, was born. born. Yeah, your firstborn daughter. I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus, John. I'm very sad that that has, that happened to you but i'm very fortunate that you were you are now a mouthpiece for people that can actually speak up and i'm as i understand it that's actually part of the work that you do right is that you kind of uh you have a voice for uh kind of the little guys right i hear that you're you're actually involved with helping people out actually with some of their legal problems when it comes to some of these issues am i correct with that well you know um so a number of years ago, and you know, we might just end up having to have me back on the show yeah, and, I think and so. pick up story, because like um, I became involved with the with the fight with the government over food choice, mm-hmm. um, where our buying club in Louisville, Kentucky, which I started a few months after Abby was born, um, we started a local food buying club to give people access to nutrient dense food and to ensure our farmers were well compensated. We were raided by the government, um, and, and you know you hear about a lot of these raids where the government goes into Rossum with guns pointed mm-hmm. at kale um, because the broccoli is going to you know explode or something crazy. Um, and so we were raided like Rossum and others, but we were the first group in the nation to be raided and fight back um, and win. Yeah, like so Rossum they lost, Mana Storehouse they lost, um, Athens locally grown. I think it was. They got raided. They lost is all this, of these farmers. And just real quick, is that uh, because that they, that they didn't fight it, or they didn't oh, have oh, enough money, or they did they weren't educated enough, or why do you think they lost versus why you guys won? They were not ready for me. <laughs> Hell yeah! Okay. And, and, and really, though, like they were not ready for me, and the fact that I had prepped our buying club members. Oh. Uh, that like, um, you, you know. 
uh, um, th- th- like one thing I think about in relation to my children and my legacy is I- I'm going to fail as a dad in many ways. I'm going to fail in life many ways. Mm-hmm. But one thing I am not going to be is a hypocrite. And so, you know, my kids hear me at the table talk about that we have certain inalienable rights. Like we get to decide the kind of healthcare we receive. We get to decide what kind of food we put in our body. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't willing to defend these things, then what are you willing to defend? Where are you finally going to say um, enough is enough? And, and so when the Kentucky Health Department came and tried to tell me that, you know, I could not decide, me and these other families couldn't decide what we were going to eat, I just said, well, then you are going to put me in jail. Um, you, you know, there is, there, there's no other, um, you know, this is going to end one of two ways. And if, if you have to send me to jail where I will gladly just make your life a living hell, um, like then, then you will put me in jail before I will comply with an idea that some bureaucrat gets to dictate to me and my family what we are going to eat and a bureaucrat who thinks soda pop and gummy bears and Fruit Loops are okay, and unwashed eggs and raw milk are insanity. Like we're we're just you know, this is just not going to happen. And so um, when they raided our buying club, I you know like I love chess, I love tactics, I, I love history and stuff like that. And one of the reasons a lot of other groups lost is because the authorities were successfully able to target one person mm. in the group. Okay. It's, and so what I did is when they quarantined our milk and stuff, I sent an email to all our members basically explaining to them, like, you know, the, the government thinks you don't have the right to choose what you feed your families. And you're going to get to choose if the government is right or not. Hmm. And so I posted right next to the quarantine paper uh, a, a couple sheets of paper were members of our club. It, it said, you know, I, the undersigned, in accordance with my God-given and constitutional rights, in taking my milk. And if somebody at the Kentucky Health Department would like to talk with me about this, they can contact me at the name and phone number below. Um, so, so instead of just me breaking the quarantine, I got hundreds of people to break the quarantine with me. Right. <sighs> because now... Now they just can't go after me because um, I would look really, really bad in an orange jumpsuit. Um, <laughs> but I'd look really cool with 100 of my friends in orange jumpsuits. And, you know, members of our buying club are college professors. They're mm. doctors. They're stay-at-home moms. They're dentists. They're construction workers. You, you know, so is the state of Kentucky really going to go after 100 families? Like especially 100 of the few remaining like tax-paying families? Um you know, it's just so one of the reasons we won is just like I had a really good game plan so that no matter what the state did, they would lose. If, if they had to walk away and admit, no, they don't have authority to mess with this, well, then they lose because they've set precedent and they've admitted, oh, no, we don't have a right to mess with this kind of stuff. Gosh. And if they pressed us, they would have to press court charges against hundreds of people. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just going to become a media nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, because I, I would just have a field day with that, you know, just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, the state of Kentucky has a budgetary crisis and a jail crisis already and oh, an no. opioid epidemic. Oh, yeah. And you're putting you're you're wasting resources on people over the type of milk they drink and eggs they want. Really? Like, that's just going to be great in the media. The amount of mileage I would have got had they pressed it would have been unbelievable. And so that's part of what it takes to win, win some of these battles is is you really, you know, you have to put your opponent in a position where they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. John, real quick, I just got to say that you are probably everybody's best friend at this point right now. So <laughs> um, I was just thinking to myself, man, I, how do I have a friend like John, you know, like, like close to me that I can speak to sometime? I don't think that I do. And I was just, you know, really appreciative for all the people that you stand up for, man. You know, there's a lot of people out there that listen to this podcast. It's only going to be a fraction of people who actually go out there and do what we're talking about. So um, I really like to speak to those people that really put a foot forward and take that information that they have and really go outside and apply that knowledge. Um, it just, uh, I've got a lot of respect for that. So thank you for really being a voice of, of change for people and really, really standing out and, and doing that work for others when others cannot. So, um, yeah, I, I think well, that's and, and really, I want really to important. Give a shout out. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Max Kane. Oh yes, um, please. Because Max and a few other people um, are people who went before me. And when I fell into this situation, they're people who came alongside me oh, awesome. and, and really supported what we did. And, and that's a big thing. You know, if you're going to do things like this, you do need community and you need role models and others who are going to um, come alongside and be an encouragement. Because, you know, like, it's easy for me to talk about that story of being raided and possibly going to jail, you know, now, however many years later it is. It wasn't nearly so fun and glamorous the four-day weekend that I'm sitting at home with two small children wondering if, you know, the Kentucky um, sheriffs are going to come round me up. (laughs) Which is Um, ridiculous. That's so, I mean, I find that so absolutely ridiculous that you are scared by your own government in that way. You know, like that is just, oh, yeah. So anyways, um, (laughs) yeah, but you have some really amazing projects going on right now. Would you mind talking about those real quick? Yeah. So the big project I have going on right now is a project called Stetter. So you take the word homesteader, you take the word homesteader and um, you take off the word home and it's just stetter.com and it's basically an, an inspirational and educational platform platform for people who want to learn skills and transition, um, you know, out of the industrial lifestyle. Bingo. Um, and, and so, you know, it kind of picks up on what we talked about earlier. You know, when my wife and I, one of the reasons we started the buying club is we wanted to help other people be able to make the kind of changes we made. Um, cause you know, cause like the only thing we had you're like, when we started infant potty training our kids, like we had both been overseas. That's like the only inspiration we had. And we had some books <laughs> like everybody thought we were insane for infant potty training our kids. Um, you know, what, what, you know, what do you mean? You don't want to put plastic synthetic diapers and, you know, bury their crap in landfills where it will last 10,000 years. Right. Um, you know, so, so like, um, so, so Stetter 
is a is a project that's dedicated to helping people learn and be inspired to kind of pursue life change that will be good both for them personally, um, but then will be good for us as a community. Oh. Um, and so that's what it is. So right now we're doing a Kickstarter, um, even a dollar. If, if you give a dollar on Kickstarter, it'll mean the world to us. Um, but there's obviously higher giving levels you can do and, and get some other things in the process. And that will help us um, hopefully move into the next round of funding this idea because our desire is, um, you know, we want to be able to teach people everything from um, how to forage for food in different major eco regions around the country to how to catch rain to how to grow food on your apartment balcony. (laughs) Um, So like we want to provide a wide variety of educational content that will help you no matter where you currently find yourself. Um, or if you're somebody who's a number of years away from really being able to realize your dreams, mm-hmm. where you could you can begin to build up a knowledge base and a familiarity and be inspired and in working towards that goal. Absolutely. Um, while, while you're trying to get sufficient momentum to, to reach escape velocity. Ugh. And it's so important. I mean, it is so important what you're doing right now too with this project. And it's something that really speaks to me. Right now, I live in a suburban area. Um, The next transition is to find a small piece of land and start learning these skills, you know, reskilling, as my friend Raven calls it. And, Uh um, you know, it's something that's really important to me because it's something that I see as like the next viable way of going forward. Because, again, you know, listeners to this podcast are very interested in hunting, gathering and gardening. And, you know, we understand that that is definitely a multi-generational approach. That's something that perhaps our children or our children's children or even many generations down the line will have an opportunity to do, provided that we take this step beforehand, kind of that preemptive step. It's like what you were talking about earlier with changing your lifestyle. It's not just going to run into the woods, Mick Candleist style, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of just, all right, we, we see an, a viable option where we can create some space, right? Like where we can create an area where we can relearn those skills, which is kind of funny too, by the way, which I like bringing up and mentioning to people that these skills were some of the, these just regular traditional kind of like, you know, good old boys. You just kind of knew how to work with your hands type of skills uh, that we don't have anymore that maybe your grandfather or his father before him, even your dad, you know, perhaps knew that we're losing now in this technologically advanced age, this crazy human epoch that we have now. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's crazy. So what you're doing is extremely important. I want to support it. And um, if there's something that we can do also in the future, I would love to talk to you offline about this. Um, but, you know, here at Ancestral Health Radio, we also want to have that kind of video library, that hub, kind of, again, that transitional educational space for people where they feel like they have community and they have the educational awareness to go do these things on their own, you know, so they're not afraid to go do it. And they have the people that can support them while they're making these mistakes. Cause God, you know, yeah. we make a lot of mistakes. Oh yeah. An uh, unbelievable number. <laughs> yeah. So if we can sometime, I would love to, um, you know, maybe have some type of, uh, stutter projects or stutter videos or, um, our own project together where we can get that going, maybe like a, a cross promotional thing, because we're on the same page here. And I would love to just, I would love to just help you, John, you got something magical going on there. And I think people listening here would love to help you out as well. Yeah, guys, if you, you know, 
If you're familiar with Kickstarter, again, it's a place where you can go fund projects per project, per creative. It's really exciting. I'm pretty sure, you know, unless you're under a rock, you you probably have already <laughs> heard of it. But if you haven't, go check it out at kickstarter.com. And is that uh, kickstarter.com forward slash Stetter? Is that what that would be? Is that how people well, would check they- that out? Yeah, if you go to stetter.com, there's a banner where you can get to our Kickstarter. Okay, or if you go to stetter.com slash KS, that'll take you to our Kickstarter. Can you just run through real quick, what are some of the, the videos that you guys kind of have queued up already? Um, well, I have a class on soil and worm composting. Um, Tim Hensley has a class on growing mushrooms. Um, and, and we're hoping to do like a little foraging mushroom unit along with his class for people who are in this kind of Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio bioregion, mm-hmm. um, where that would be, that you know, that's one of the hard parts with some of these things is, that's, yeah, you know, you, you like you begin to realize that bioregion matters. Oh, huge! And so we have to have instructors from different parts of the country. Yes, um, you know, because like the wild edibles in Kentucky. Um, aren't the same as the wild edibles in California. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, th- there might be a couple that overlap, but, but there's, you know, huge amounts of flora and fauna and, and other things that differ. Um, so Meredith Lay is going to be doing a class on oh, um, nice. home sausage making. Yeah, she's great. Super excited for her class. Um, we're going to have classes covering, you know, keeping, um, you know, keeping livestock, starting Animal things husbandry. like chicken. Yeah. You know, basic animal, but but especially from a viewpoint of, um, you know, not a standard viewpoint, but really a holistic viewpoint. Yes. You know, um, like, like we're hoping that Harvey Ussery will do um, our poultry class. Because oh, okay. here's a guy, he, he has like an entirely self-contained e- ecosystem on his, on his farm, homestead, where he's now even growing the wild grains and wild foods that cycle nutrients that feed his chickens. And, you know, he's been working towards not having to import any, you know, any grains onto his farm except for what he grows. Wow. Um, you know, so he's great because he'll teach you the basics and then he can inspire you to continue to work towards these regenerative systems. Okay, because that um, was – that's another thing, right? So you're taking kind of some of these these older traditional systems and then you're upgrading them. Yeah, so it's and, cool. and that's the goal. Yeah, we want to start people with basics. Um, you know, but, but like one thing I'm field trialing today is, you know, like say you bought land and you don't have good soil and mm-hmm. it's full of weeds. How do you convert it to a space you can grow stuff in, in the most regenerative way possible mm-hmm. for the least amount of effort? So I'm field trialing a technique, um, with, with using biomass incorporated into solarization, um, which is, you know, it sounds real complicated. I was going to say, you're going <laughs> to have to explain yeah. that to us. Yeah, it's, it's basically mixing a bunch of compost into the soil and putting a clear plastic um, tarp over top. Oh, okay, I've seen that. And, and the soil gets to like 160 degrees. Yeah. And, and you get rid of all the weeds. And you get rid of all the, you know, the wheat seeds and the roots and the pathogens and everything. And so, then when you pull the tarp, you have this beautiful growing space that's like ready to rock. Yeah. You know, I also have seen people, um, 
Well, I've seen uh, permaculturalists where they will do that same kind of thing, but they'll have it in like a large mountain. And then, like you uh-huh. said, they'll have tarps over it. And then what they'll do is they'll run their water through um, through piping underneath this, and that'll act as so the microbes are, are kind of pre-digesting the soil, also generating heat, which then heats up the water for like their, their outdoor shower. It's just really, really, I mean, some of these systems are just so amazing. Some of the things that you can do. I don't think people realize it. So that's why I think a project like yours is just so really special because it just like you said, it's like a it's like almost like almost like a gateway drug. You know, you kinda all right, you come in to learn how to do sausages with Meredith and then you leave learning how to let's let's just say create something with humanure. You know, who knows? But yeah. it's just it's really cool and um I, any way that I can support this project, I would I would love to know how to do that. John, thank you for sharing both your time and wisdom with the tribe today. Before we go, how do people listening get in contact with you if they're interested in learning more about you and your work? So they can go to the Stetter website Mm -hmm. and drop a contact form there, um, or I have a public profile page on Facebook. Um, So I don't have a website yet because I have five children, and it's just hard to get everything done. Um, But you can connect with me on Facebook. You can can reach out to me through the Stetter website. So I'd be glad to hear from you. And again, thank you, John. This was entirely my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating or review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network, or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at ancestralhealthradio.com.